It's 8 o'clock. It is Pelsky and myself. God bless you, Mark. Nothing like talking and going. Yeah. Um, my mic's not on. I heard you talking, <laughs> but I didn't hear you in my headphones. And I looked up like, ah, I've been there. Shucks. It is a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine, Jim, and the Buckeye Boy today at the Jim Davis Show on the team. The worst Sports one, Network. when we're live, we know to turn the mic off at times, right? When you're recording something and you don't have your mic on, you're like, oh, man. Uh, Damn, that was real powerful open, too, and I got to read it. God. Like, this Dang sucks. It. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're... You're thinking a thousand yep. things and you're ready to go and it's out of the gate you and it's the top of the hour. Your mic's and off. And then you just think to yourself, like, "You stupid idiots!" Yeah. How long much. have I been doing this? Yeah. How long First have rule. I been doing this? Turn job? the mic on. Hit the button yep. when it's red. That means yeah. it's hot. You're ready we're to go. Rolling. We're rolling. We're cooking with gas. Yep. All right. It is Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. Whatever you're pulling out of the oven or taking off the grill, Talon's got the perfect wine to pair with that. So uh, make sure that uh, you get into us today uh, on the team line, 970-242-1340, if you've got uh, something to whine about today. All right. So Alex has tried to help me with my bed problem. Mm -hmm. And my wine's not about the bed necessarily. It's about the lady on customer support was supposed to send me an email and did not about how to replace the chamber, which we think is the problem after careful, oops, relatively careful diagnosis. And I appreciate Alex offering up, hey, I think it could be this. And I think it's the one thing. We hope so. But it, it has created a bit of a problem where my side of the bed it turns into a Grand Canyon-like yeah. effect where it runs out of air and it and you, you sucked to the floor. To yeah, and my uh, my beautiful bride is on her side of the bed, feeling very comfortable. Unless she rolls over, and then she rolls off the side of the cliff, Wee! <laughs> in into the valley, which is yeah. now my side of the bed. All right, eight oh three. So uh, we have a qualifier for yeah, a couple wild wings. Uh, Jerry, Jerry. I've only seen his name written, so I don't know how to print. J E R E. I believe that's correct. Is now you just made the list. Yes. We'll draw that, what, tomorrow? After the show today? Yeah, we'll probably Somewhere draw it. We'll, we'll announce it tomorrow morning at okay. 7. So that's that's the plan. Right yep. out of the gate tomorrow, we'll announce it at 7. All right, so you got something to whine about today. Send it our way on the team line, 970-242-1340. Coming up, Michael Wells, Fruit of Monument Boys coach. Wildcats clinched the Southwestern League title last night with the win at Montrose. So uh, he'll join us. Also, Avs Radio Voice, Connor McGahee. As well in the back half of this hour, time for the latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right, start out with, we we mentioned this before about uh, Kyle Shanahan could join his dad, Mike, as Super Bowl champions. But there have been other players that father and son have each won Super Bowls. So... We'll go with, okay, we'll start out with a guy that most people in Broncos country don't, they they still do not, do not love this guy that played quarterback for the Broncos because he was also given the unenviable task of replacing John Elway. 
And that would be one Brian Greasy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bob and Brian. Mm-hmm. Both won Super Bowls. Bob Greasy led the Dolphins to three consecutive Super Bowls and back-to-back titles. Only undefeated season in NFL history. Brian Greasy played in one game in his rookie season of 1998, but he won a ring when the Broncos beat the Falcons. So, and Brian Greasy, what does Brian Greasy do now? Quarterback's coach of the San Francisco 49ers. I, like, I knew this. I just wear... Yeah, he's the Niners QB's coach. Yeah. Ronnie Lott and Ryan Neese. Lott won four Super Bowls. And his son, who was a four-year starter at UCLA, was with the Bucs in 2002. Neese tore his ACL eight games into his rookie season, but still got a Super Bowl when the Bucs beat the Raiders. Played seven-year career. Hmm. Emery and Aaron Moorhead. Tied in Emory Moorhead, two catches for the 85 Bears in the 46-10 route of the Patriots. And then 21 years later, Colts wide receiver Aaron Moorhead won a Super Bowl uh, with a victory against his dad's former team. The infamous uh, Prince halftime show. It was fantastic, oh, yeah. but there was the silhouette, if you remember correctly, yeah. the part of his guitar. That's That was the whole point, though. That was the whole point of it. Knowing what I know about <laughs> Prince. So, Emery and Aaron Moorhead, father and son Super Bowl champions. Steve and Zach Diossi. Steve Diossi, linebacker, long snapper for the Giants that beat the Bills in the Super Bowl. Finished with the Patriots. And then went on to work as an analyst uh, on Patriots broadcasts. And then his son, Zach, um, went on to play for, uh, where, did, where did Zach play? Zach played for the Giants. He was the Giants long snapper who beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Bruce Davis and Bruce Davis II. Bruce Davis backed up Hall of Famer Archell left tackle and won a Super Bowl title in his second season with the Raiders. And then Bruce Davis II was born 20 months after that win, after the Raiders were out of Washington at Tampa Stadium. And so the younger Davis went on to win a Super Bowl ring when he played for the Steelers when they beat the Cardinals in 2009. And then you have the Colquitts. Oh, of course, naturally. Craig, Britton, and Dustin. Yeah. Craig won Super Bowls in 78-79 with the Steelers. Britton won for the Broncos in 2016. Dustin was the Chiefs punter when they won the Super Bowl four years ago. Intrigue. You've got the Longs, Howie and Chris. Howie Long with the win over the, Red, the the Washington Redskins in the Super Bowl. He played for the Raiders. And then Chris played with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Those are the father and sons that have won Super Bowls along with, well, possibly, maybe, if the Niners get it done. The Shanahan's. And Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. And a really good piece on Christian McCaffrey, by the way. It's in The Athletic about Christian McCaffrey looking to follow his father's Super Bowl-winning footsteps. Because when the Broncos beat the Falcons, Christian McCaffrey was two and a half years old. And there's the the shot of him running around in Miami wearing his dad's jersey, which is, you know, a gazillion sizes too big for him. And... 
Lisa McCaffrey said at one point in all the hubbub on the field after the game, she lost Christian. She didn't know where he went. End zone, probably. Probably so. He was already looking for the end zone at age two and a half. He was outrunning all of his brothers. That was rude. Sorry. Lisa McCaffrey said that uh, Christian started walking when he was seven months old, which was a little earlier than most kids do, showing the athletic talent that was already in his DNA. Yeah. Now she's taking sniper shots at his fiance. Oh, money bags over there can't get us a, a Super Bowl suite. And then she does. Olivia Culpa. It's like, see, I made it happen. I don't know who that is exactly. The she Olivia like an, Culpa. She's like an actress or something. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But apparently that seemed way more serious than the, uh, you know, Taylor Swift is dead to us. You know, we talked about that yesterday about Christian's mom on the podcast, Taylor Swift's dead to us, and people were like, oh, she's, she said the queen is dead to her. Well, it's a joke because she's cheering for the other team. It was seemed way more salty, the money bags Christian and his money bags fiance. It seemed way more salty. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Christian's dad, Ed, is going to be coming to town soon for the uh, Strong and Courageous Men's Conference March 1st and 2nd here in town. We'll be talking more about that uh, uh, moving forward, but Ed McCaffrey is going to be a, a speaker at that, so we hope to have him on the program. Maybe talking about Christian's Super Bowl win. Yeah, maybe. Maybe so. Anyway, really good piece in The Athletic about uh, by Christian McCaffrey and the McCaffrey family and uh, the journey to the, the Super Bowl uh, this season. So something else, stepping away from, from the Super Bowl for a moment, as the Broncos get ready for the draft... And they're they're those in Broncos country that are thinking, okay, what if what if Denver finds a way to trade up? They trade up and maybe they get Drake May or Michael Penix Jr. Maybe maybe Denver finds their way into the, the top ten. Here's something to keep in mind. That if you think maybe the Broncos are going to capture some Chiefs magic. Remember when they traded for Patrick Mahomes? That they were the they had the twenty seventh pick in the first round in twenty seventeen, and there's only one other great quarterback that's ever come from that draft position. Do you remember who it is? The number ten spot, right? The number the number twenty seven oh, spot. This 27. is the this is the Chiefs and what they what they did to get Mahomes. That famous class of eighty three. Steve DeBerg. No. no. Sorry. I, uh, older than that. Uh, was, I believe, the last guy taken of that that group. Hall of Famer. Marino? No. Mentioned him yesterday. Ding, ding, ding. Dan Marino? Dan Marino. Nice. Dan Marino. And so at that time, the Chiefs had Alex Smith. He was under contract. But they were kind of looking at maybe we need to, to go... Go big here at the quarterback spot. So they made the trade with the Bills to get up, uh, to move up in the draft from 27th to pick Patrick Mahomes. So, and all Mahomes has done is, you know, now playing the for a... greatest of all time. Playing in his fourth Super Bowl this Sunday. Chance to win another title. That's that's all he's done. Nothing. Nothing else. So teams with the number 11 pick in the 2017 draft or the team with that pick 
was the New Orleans Saints. And so there was some talk with Sean Payton that they were thinking about trying to, to take Patrick Mahomes. That Mahomes is the best quarterback I'd ever seen on college tape, according to Sean Payton. But the Saints at that time had Drew Brees. But Payton told Brees as the draft began, the New Orleans would take Mahomes if he's still on the board when its pick arrived. When the Chiefs traded up ahead of the Saints, Payton knew it was coming. Here goes the quarterback. And so the Saints would have taken him if he was still available. But the Chiefs, savvy move. They jump up ahead of the, the Saints and get him. And the Saints still did. It wasn't like they had a crappy draft. They had Marshawn Lattimore in the first round, Ryan Ramchek, Alex Kamara, Trey Hendrickson, mm-hmm. 12 pro-, pro Bowls combined, three all-pro honors between those guys. But none of them are Patrick Mahomes. The big takeaway I have from that is throwing as big of a BS flag as I can handle at the best quarterback from college I've ever seen on tape. I don't believe that for a second. I know he's saying that. Hindsight, because he said that as a Fox analyst, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't buy that at all. I Because there have been some college quarterbacks that have been, unless he's only watched 10 or 12 guys on tape, and they're all from, like, Baylor and TCU and Iowa State. No offense, Brock Purdy. Then, yeah, I can understand how Patrick... Oh, Holmes, much but, offense, by the way. But, like... For, for the Purdy nation. You know, there was one guy in that room that won the Heisman, and it wasn't Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Looking at you, Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I, I could say skill set intrigues me. I, I could see him develop into something special, but... yeah. But best, it was be, Texas be, Tech. I mean, best ever. I, I don't know about that. Watching those games, you're like, wow, this is this kid's really intriguing. And look at that arm. And where the hell is he throwing that ball? <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. But that Big 12 after dark, you know, Texas Tech versus Texas, and it's 64 to 61 final. And Mahomes is he's got like you know, five playing shortstop, and he's yeah. sidearm and stuff. Eight and- touchdowns, four picks. But wasn't Stuff that like part that. of the knock on him, too, at that time was that he was unconventional? Yeah. That, oh, uh, we're not sure about the... Uh, throws Mechanics. The, throws the ball, you know, diff, you know mm-hmm. drops down, don't like that. Undisciplined Improvises decisions. too much. Yeah. You heard a lot of that about him, too. Right. Best which is quarterback all been, I've ever watched all, on tape means yeah. you haven't watched a lot of tape. No, which, and I love Patrick Mahomes. I love watching that guy play. There are still some times you're like, don't do that, don't do that, don't... Okay, it worked out. Don't do that again. Yeah, I wonder, Sean Payton, is that a little revisionist history yeah. on his part? Uh, if, we would have been, if he would have been there. I mean, he's an analyst on the Fox pregame that's covering the Super Bowl that has Patrick Mahomes in it. I get it. It's wrong. <laughs> it's objectively wrong because... Because if he would have... I would, I would have liked to have seen the comment from him mm-hmm. come from back in 2017. Right. Now, Didn't if he, he said that... Drew Brees college film? <laughs> it's pretty good. You know, wasn't too bad. Guys, he's had guys he had with the Cowboys for a while. Peyton Manning had some college film that was pretty decent. Didn't he watch any of that? You know, like I want to know the list of the college quarterbacks he's watched. Then we can decide who had the best. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm with you on that. I want to throw the BS flag a little bit. Like, well, that's easier to say when you. When, when you're an analyst for Fox years and years later. Right. And to see how and Mahomes. And you have the Super Bowl that he's in. And to see what Mahomes has turned into. Mm-hmm. You go, best quarterback I've ever seen. Yeah. Mm. So the, the point of this article is 
that... Sean Payton doesn't watch a lot of film. No, shut up. Oh. Moving on here. Teams have traded up or into the first round to select a quarterback 28 times in the past 30 drafts, going back to 94. Mahomes won 14 playoff games in his six seasons as a starter, entering, of course, Sunday's mm-hmm. game against the Niners. The other 27 quarterbacks were selected after a team traded up have combined for 36 postseason wins. Ten of those victories, one of the Super Bowl, belong to, do you know who? Ten. Quarterback, my team and your team. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Selected 18th by the Ravens in 2008 after Baltimore moved up by trading the 26th pick along third and sixth round selections to the Texans. I forgot they traded up that far to get there. Yeah. Eight of those wins, two in the Super Bowl, belonged to Eli Manning. Number one pick of the Giants in 04 after New York traded the fourth pick and a future first-round pick to the Chargers. Remember, Eli didn't want to go to I, play for the Chargers. I thought he officially got drafted by the Chargers. According to this, they traded the pick. He did not get drafted. It wasn't an Elway thing because Elway got drafted by the Colts. Yeah. And then they traded him to the Broncos. But they just traded the pick. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. According to this, that's what happened. I feel like there's an awkward picture of him standing there holding a Chargers jersey and a Chargers hat. I know what you mean. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of have that Maybe vague. It's the Mandela effect. That, I don't that know. vague recollection as well. So that leaves 18 playoff wins for the other 25 quarterbacks. That's not great. 17 of the 20 quarterbacks who were acquired via first-round trade never won a playoff game with the teams that drafted them, and only nine of those quarterbacks signed an extension with teams that drafted them before the expiration of their respective rookie contracts. Only six of them were. And, Ryan, you got Jordan Love of the Packers, Justin Fields of the Bears, Bryce Young of the Panthers. They're still in their rookie contracts. Mm -hmm. Could they end up with extensions? Well, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with Justin Fields? And Jordan Love has a playoff win, though. He does. He's one of those quarterbacks. He does have a playoff win. And two trades made from the 12 spot in the draft. Again, the pick that the Broncos currently hold. <laughs> Give you an idea of the different outcomes. 2018, the Bills moved up to number seven by taking the Bucks, uh, by trading the Bucks, the number 12 pick and two second round picks. Buffalo used that pick to get Josh Allen, who has since led the Bills to five playoff wins. One of the best, better quarterbacks in the league. Three years later, 2021, the Niners sent the number 12 pick and two future first-rounders and a future third-rounder to the Dolphins to get to number three to take North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance, who is now in Dallas. How'd that work? So one worked out really well for one team. One ended up, they had to trade him because he got beat out by the last guy taken in the draft in Brock Purdy. So... Everybody's like, I got to trade up. Need to trade up, and it doesn't always worked out well for teams that right. do that. I mean, the numbers, the history shows that some it's worked. Most of it is not. Hardly any. Nobody has had it work out as well as the Chiefs have had it work mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it's worked out pretty well. Six AFC Championship games, four Super Bowl appearances. They're doing all right. That's all a right. good call. Yeah, it's not been too bad. Not shabby. So one other thing. I'm sorry, you got something? I have the picture. I, it's real. Look at Olivia yeah. Manning's face. Yeah, because in the article it says they traded. Yeah. They traded the pick. So, yeah, because he's, yeah, he's. He's. He's holding the jersey. Not happy. And uh, Olivia Manning does. <laughs> oh, man. She looks even less happy than Eli. Yeah, she's got bitter beer Arch face. is just kind of like, okay. Arch is here. like, hey, my two of my boys taking number one overall. He's happy. 
I because I'm like I remember that yeah. photo because I remembered her face. Like she was not happy. Yeah, because I, I, I said it's one of those. You hope it's not a Mandela effect, but right. it, it's like yeah, I thought they drafted him. Like the cornucopia on the fruit of the looms. Exactly. Okay, one other thing that um, the Broncos. I don't. I haven't seen an official announcement yet of the hiring of uh, Pete Carmichael to be the offensive assistant for the Broncos. That he's uh, Pete Carmichael is going to team with Sean Payton once again. Carmichael was his OC. Now he's going to be an offensive assistant with the Broncos after uh, the uh, the Saints uh, parted ways with him. That Mike Kliss, unofficial mouthpiece of the Broncos, Nine News, says that Carmichael's hiring could lead to Taysom Hill mm-hmm. possibly coming to the Broncos. That, that Hill's a Peyton Carmichael Frankenstein creation that they came up with. Quarterback, wildcat, running back. H-back receiver, been really good in the red zone for the Saints. And that's an area where the Broncos suck last year. Yeah, red zone was not great. And so Hill currently has two years at $10 million each left in his contract, but none of that money's guaranteed. So could the Broncos try to find a way to get Taysom Hill to the Broncos? Now the Carmichael's there. We'll keep you posted. Does that quarterback room excite Broncos fans? Jared Stidham, Taysom Hill? There was a point in time I thought Taysom Hill in New Orleans deserved, particularly after Breeze had retired, deserves the shot of being the quarterback. It didn't work out great. He's kind of has his his spot, what he does. It feels to me... He's not the answer at quarterback. I don't think so. But it feels to me it's a little bit like what we talked about, what, last week? Monday, maybe? With Eric Bieniemy, Ben Johnson, and he's the hot new assistant, hot new assistant. No one pulled the trigger, and now his time is gone. It kind of feels that way with Taysom Hill. Like, I agree with you. As soon as Drew Brees left, there was a time, sink or swim with this guy as the quarterback. They didn't do it, and now I feel like that ship has kind of sailed. But I think what he does, though, he's really good in the red zone. Yeah. And that's I think that's where, as a, as a slot receiver, H-back mm-hmm. kind of you know receiver, that that's would be what, useful. That's what Denver needs. They don't yeah. really need him to play quarterback. Okay, if you want to drop a package where he's a wildcat guy like like they do in New mm-hmm. Orleans, fine. That's great. He's not going to solve the quarterback problem. No. He's, he's just not. But you could have other red zone targets in Noah Fant, Albert Okwebina, <laughs> yeah. healthy Greg Dolchich. I mean, that's that's not the team's fault. They got They straight up got rid of the other two guys, though. Which makes you feel like, well, if it's just guys on the roster, I'm I'm, agree- I'm agreeable to it as a Broncos fan. Yeah, with the I full, would be. with the full acknowledgement that he's not going, to, he's not coming there to solve the quarterback problem, because he had that chance, right? And it didn't work out in New Orleans. That's why he kept playing H back and mm-hmm. playing a slot receiver and playing playing some of those those other spots, the packages for right. him in the Wildcat. I, I don't think Sean Payton's gonna try him out at quarterback no, I, I like you said so. he had the chance and he didn't probably be there he, he could be that's that's a nice way of dealing with your emergency quarterback situation mm-hmm. he's already on the roster he's going to get reps there yeah. he's your third guy he's gonna have to change the jersey number though that's true can't wear can't wear seven in denver now yeah, they'll work through that maybe 18 is available no nah, i don't think so <laughs> 24 
So what about a Wednesday with Talon Wine? Something you com- want to complain about today? Send it to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. We'll take a break. We'll come back. And uh, they're the champions once again of the Southwestern League. And uh, Fruitland Monument Boys basketball coach Michael Wells will join us next to talk about it on the Jim Davis Show. It's a good show. Probably the best show around. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado Sports Leader, the team. Talking Fruitland Monument Boys basketball with Coach Michael Wells on the Jim Davis Show. And Michael Wells brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance for a free comparison call. This team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Michael Wells, coach of the Southwestern League champion Fruit of Monument Boys basketball team, joins us. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Jim. Always a pleasure to talk with you. And right out of the gate, congratulations. Wildcats repeat as league champions. Uh, your first year as the boys coach. Uh, it's It's been a nice little year, right? Uh, 21-0, league championship. Uh, you still, of course, got a couple uh, league games left to play, but uh, you, you wrap up the title last night. Uh, kind of take us through uh, what you're thinking today, how you're feeling about winning that league title last night at Montrose. Well, it's certainly a neat, uh, you know, accomplishment for our guys. And, and uh, you know, they've just kind of responded to every challenge that has been put in front of them. And, you know, it's been challenging for me to try and keep them motivated, you know, each and every game. And, and sometimes I wear myself out at night, not sleeping, wondering if we're ready or if they're ready, if they're focused, you know, and that sort of stuff. And, you know, we, we talked a lot going into last night's game because we hadn't played well against Central and in Junction prior to that, just in terms of the defensive end of the floor, we had slow starts. And I really challenged them this week, and, and I really challenged them last night um, to be engaged on the defensive end of the floor from start to finish. And, um, you know, we, we just – when we do that, we feel like we're a pretty good basketball team. And, and you know, again, they responded in a, in a tough environment against a, a really good, well-coached teams. And, you know, I just – I couldn't be prouder of them right now. 53-33 the win last night for Fruit of Monument, uh, defeating Montrose and Wilson Sigmund. Uh, had a, a really good game for you last night, Michael. Uh, Wilson uh, with 18 points. Uh, Jet Wells had 13 points. So what was working for Wilson last night against the Red Hawks? Well, he he just he's been, you know, a, a perfect role player for us all year. You know, he he'd be a, a one or two option on a lot of other teams in in our league or or on the western part of the state. And you know, he's just really been a leader and a defender and, and a role guy who's hit open shots. But you know, he just he got a couple buckets early that got him going. And you know, they really focused to take DT out of the game. And and Jet hasn't really shot the ball um, well the last two games. And you know, he just liked his matchup, and he was able to take his guy to the basket, and he just kind of kept going, and, and everything seemed to fall last night. You know, when he's going, you know, I feel like we're a really dangerous team, and, and that's what's made us good this year is we just have guys every night that can step up, and and it was his turn last night, and I'm happy for him. He, he sacrificed a lot for what we need him to do, and, and it was it was satisfying to see him get going a little bit last night. And for Ryan Voringer's team, Jackson Katner had had 12 points last night. Uh, he hit a couple of threes, but nobody else was in double figures. And, and most notably, Caleb Ferguson, who's one of the, the best players in the league, just five points last night. So defensively, you guys did a, a great job of really, uh, Daniel Thomason, of really uh, ratcheting down on him and keeping him from, from being a big factor in that game. 100%. You know, we know he's who makes them go, and, and he's a phenomenal player, and 
and we were just really focused both times we played them in particular last night that you know we had to have good ball pressure on the on the passer that made it tough to get into them we wanted dt to be in front and and good help side on the backside and you know, if he catches it on the block or, you know, anywhere around the basket, he's just so good. And so you got to make those catches difficult. And, and that was part of the game plan to take him out because we felt like if we could do that, you know, some other guys would get their get their points. But we just didn't think that there was another option that could go off for enough to beat us. But, you know, we had to take him out of the out of the game. And, you know, DT was great. You know, Aiden Tuning got some minutes on him. Max played a little bit on him. And, and just really a collective team effort held them down, and, and that was a big key for us to win there. Heard of one of the boys basketball coach, Michael Wells, uh, joins us, uh, champions of the Southwestern League uh, after winning it last year. And, of course, Michael in his first year as the Wildcat boys head coach. Well, I mean, what does this mean for you as a coach to to win the league championships with the six as a, as a girls coach, now as the boys coach? Dave Fox had similar success as well on the girls and boys side at Fruto Monument, and when you talk about Dave Fox, that's a, that's a pretty legendary coaching figure around here. Kind of a cool thing to, to throw yourself uh, into that uh, into that conversation with, you know, of course, winning league titles in both uh, coaching the boys and the girls. Yeah. You know, I have a ton of respect for Coach Fox. He's someone that I have come talk to our program, you know, on occasion throughout the course of the year. Um, you know, I think he's a great guy and a great coach, and you know, I definitely definitely don't even put myself in that conversation. I got to hang a couple banners on the other side of the gym before That's true. before that. But uh, you know, it, I really try not to focus on me. I'm happy for the guys for what they've overcome. You know, I've got a great staff with with Mark and and Blaine and Coach Hot and those guys coming over to kind of put things together. It allowed us a bunch of continuity to do what we do. And um, you know, I'll think about those things maybe down the line, but. You know, I just I just appreciate seeing the guys succeed, and um, you know the thing I told them last night after the game is it's a it's a great accomplishment anytime you can win your league or that sort of thing. But you know we've got other goals in place, and they were really subdued last night. I mean there was there was not much celebration, um, you know, for this, and you know they they have their eyes set, you know, on hopefully being able to you know complete a an undefeated regular season and. And we want to play in the Coliseum and have a chance to hang that banner on the other side. And so you know, we're still focused on some of that stuff. And, you know, it all starts with a really good central team that gave us fits on, on Tuesday of next week. And, and so we're going to take today off and, and spend a little time together as a team, you know, off the court. But then it's back to work, you know, focusing on finishing this thing out. As you mentioned, you, you finish things up with Central and Durango. And you go to Central Tuesday night. Uh, you referenced the last time you faced them with the 62-49 to 49 victory, where you had three guys in double figures, Max Orchard with 23, Daniel Thomason had 22, Jet Wells had 10 in that victory. What needs to be different this time around, though? Because I think most people look at that and go, oh, that sounds like a pretty a pretty solid win for your basketball team. What are thing, what things need to be different this time around against Johnson, Anich, and Central than that last meeting, Michael? Well, we've got a guard. I mean, we were... I mean, Horrid is being nice in describing how we were on the defensive end of the floor to start the game um, and really to finish. And, yeah, we had three guys in double figures, but so did they. And, you know, they're a really explosive group um, that, you know, is probably one of the few teams we match up with over here that likes to play fast like us, and they're capable of it. Um, And, you know, we just didn't do a good job containing them off the dribble. Um, and I just didn't feel like we were engaged on the defensive end for most of the game. You know, we had a couple of runs, you know, that 
that we're able to extend a lead and allow us to win. But, you know, at their place and, and they get shooting and streaky and that sort of thing, and they've got some good players. And we've got to mimic last night's defensive performance against them, you know, to be able to continue doing what we're doing. Bruno Monument boys coach Michael Wells with us on the Team Sports Network. Uh, right now, your team's still the number one team in the 6A RPI, followed by Mountain Vista, Valor Christian, Rock Canyon, and Thunder Ridge. Uh, I'm sure you probably read the Denver Post preview of the 6A postseason uh, where they had Valor and Smoky Hill and, and others as their top five. I was glad you got uh, at least uh, kind of an honorable mention being the only undefeated team in 6A basketball. At least I'm, I'm glad the Wildcats at least got a nod from from the folks over the, the scribes over at the Denver Post. Yeah, I mean, they don't pay much attention to us, and, and I don't pay much attention to that. You know, we're, we're focused on what we need to do. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't blame them a little bit. You know, we've got to earn it if we want to be in that conversation with those teams. You know, we can do what we do during the regular season and the computer formulas and all that business that Chassa comes up with. You know, they slot us where where they fought us but you know we've got to earn respect by by beating those teams um you know in the state tournament and it's just not something that's happened a lot on the western slope we were able to do it a few times on the girls side and, and earn a little respect there but um th- there isn't anyone over there that takes us seriously and and they're not going to until we you know perform on that level and you know that's something that's a goal for us and and, you know, we'll take care of that on the court when we get that opportunity. And, and, you know, respect will come with that. Well, Michael, I appreciate it. Congratulations on the league championship. And uh, we'll have coverage of that uh, Central game on uh, Tuesday. Fruita Monument Central, part of a full-court coverage along with Palisade and, and Eagle Valley coming up Tuesday as well. It'll start at 5 o'clock on the Team Sports Network. Michael, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for coming on for a few minutes. Sounds good, Jim. Thank you. Take care. Michael Wells, coach of the Fruita Monument Boys basketball team all right 837 jim along with the buckeye boy and i believe it's time to get somebody else qualified for a buffalo wild wings big game giveaway all right so the drill is this you've already been texting in fifth Mm -hmm. texter put your first name your last name on the text and b-dubs to 970-242-1340 and the fifth texter gets qualified by the way for a table for six 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings for Sunday's game and the Buckeye Boy. Yeah. Okay, it's a table and 50 Woo! wings, and you're just going to happen. You're just going to be Take there. So. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk to him if you win. It's okay. You don't have to. You do don't that. have to. You get to. <laughs> anyway. The people love me. I endear myself to them every show. I'm, some you do. I'm sure that some some feel that way about you. So. Karen. People love me. Karen. Well, yeah, I mean, she tolerates me a lot. So, uh, right now, fifth texture. She has to deal with me at home. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's, yeah. I guess depend on depends on which day, yeah. right? She'll also be there. Oh, and, and, and the missus so, will be yes. there as well. So, uh, 970-242-1340, 5th texture. You get qualified. Once again, if you've already qualified, don't text in. You're in. You're, we'll, we'll drive in multiple texts. Same deal. Only, it only counts as yep. one. So don't waste your time texting in 30 times. Only one text will count. Send it to us right now, 970-242-1340. And talk some Avs hockey with Connor McGahee coming up next on the Jim Davis Show. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team.
Talking Avalanche hockey with the voice of the Avs, Connor McGahey, on the team. And with us right now, radio voice of the Avalanche, Connor McGahey. Top of the morning to you, Connor. I can, I'm not even going to try to do an Irish accent as well as you do, my friend. <laughs> not even when, when I was told that we were getting Telemore Dew as a new sponsor on the Altitude Radio Network, I was like, oh, I, I got this. This one's in the bag. <laughs> you, you got it covered. I'm all over this one. This is your wheelhouse stuff for Connor McGahey. Yeah, I, I sent the first time I was like, because I asked Alan Baca, who's our home engineer, I said, for the first read, I said, should, should, I, should I do it in the accent? Should I do it? Should I do it? He goes, yeah, go for it. I said, all right, well, I may be fired, but here we go. Here we go. And uh, so I, I texted Kevin Chalk, your program director, afterwards, just the, like, yikes, you know, emoji, you know, the uh, <laughs> the Altice, like, and he's like, no, that was great. I was like, okay, whew. See, I, to death one more time. Yeah, exactly. So I had a chance uh, at the affiliate uh, game to, to meet uh, Kevin and, yeah, Kevin's a guy that I, I could see him leaning hard into that, going, yeah, Connor, do that again. He just yeah, seems like he's that kind of guy. Exactly. Like, he's the, uh, you know, he's the all publicity is good publicity type of guy, you know what I'm saying? So, sure. which is Which is good, which is really good. Uh, listenership on, on Altitude Sports Radio uh, is is way up, obviously, and, and that attitude has a lot to do with it. So, uh, so yeah, no, it's... Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with an Irish accent, but uh, maybe I like to think it does. Uh, any uh, any shots of Telemore do during intermission for Conor McGahey? Who am I, Harry Carey? <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. What's your favorite planet? Mine's the sun. <laughs> Not a shot, maybe a sip. No, no, that's... Uh... The no drinking. No, no drink. No drink. That's good. That's yeah. that. That's a, that's the kind of quality professional broadcaster you are, sir. Not that Eric Carey was not a a fine pro, but but that was a different generation, my friend. Different generation. Yeah, I had no Brock Meyer here. <laughs> I did work with a local legend, Gene Roselle, when I was calling the Junior College World Series. My, I was in college. I was like twenty years old, and like the third game of the Junior College World Series, Connor, like third inning, briefcase uh-huh. opens up. Flask comes out. Oh boy! Glug glug glug. And I'm going. Oh wow! Uh, they, this is not just some radio myth. There, there are guys that actually uh, have a little little nip on the air. So I was uh, different time. Different time, different my time. friend. Different time. Uh, did you see David Putty last night? By the way. Um. No. And it's just a shame that because uh, Patrick Warburton is one of my favorite actors. Period. But uh, you know, why you got to be a Devils fan? What's that about? I know. Come on. Why? Don't mess the devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devil. Yeah, and scaring the <laughs> heck out of that that Spanish, you know, uh, clergyman, and just scared the heck out of me. Yeah, back the Padre. The, the Padre, yeah, the Padre. So funny. Oh yeah. So, so uh, funny. Well, what was not funny last night? What was? But, the, was no, I, I mean to follow up on that. Jimmy, no, sure, no, I mean Patrick Warburton does. He does do a stand up for the open, the, the team open that plays on the jumbotron beforehand. So like they got Putty to do the. The, all right, welcome to the, welcome to the Prudential Center, you know, and the whole thing, and it's it's really good. And, and if you're the Devils, you have to lean into that because that's really the only thing you've got notoriety in yeah. media you've ever gotten. So I don't blame him for that. And uh, did I, he have a glass of barefoot wine? <laughs> and did he high five everybody <laughs> in, in the video too? By the way, oh yeah, that commercial was great. Yeah. With, uh, 
Some people think, yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I just so, remember with Elaine Bennis, don't, let, don't leave me hanging. Come on, don't leave yeah. me hanging here. Come on. What? What'd you the think? Devils! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as we transition to actual legitimate talk of last night's game. Uh, no one wants that. Yeah, I know. Well, some some do, Connor. Some do. No, they uh, don't. If they do, they're lying. <laughs> Well, I, I feel like I, I, I have to ask you questions about the game last night. It's like it's the Avs got cheated. It's a contractual obligation. Exactly. Oh, the, here we go. The Jared, Jared Bednar thought it was a good goal. Not happy with the uh, you know, <laughs> goal that was disallowed in interference last night. So there's a Logan O'Connor on that, that, uh, that uh, Jared Bednar not the least bit happy about that call. Well, and no, nobody was. And so Mark Rycross was with me last night and, you know, the second that it's announced that Lindy Ross is going to challenge for goaltender interference, we both turn to the monitor, look at the replay, and clearly O'Connor is outside the crease and then gets pushed into Banachek by Timo Meyer. So he said, oh, this is this is a no-brainer. This goal is going to stand. I mean, and, and it was jaws on the floor shocked when they said that the goal um, was disallowed. I mean, shocked. And... It, at Prudential Center there, first of all, the, the press box is um, on Saturn. I mean, it's way up there. It's, it's one of the worst spots in the entire league. Um, and they moved all the Jersey broadcasts down to the main section, but we have to remain in the stratosphere. Anyhow, that's a complaint for a different day. But anyhow, so there's six or seven booths that are all separated just by glass that are next to each other. And Mark Mosier and Kyle Keefe are... Uh, just sitting in one of the empty ones because he was an ESPN Plus exclusive last night. And Riker and I looked down there, and and they're, I mean, again, mouths agape, like, what in the world? And everyone's doing, like, the, you know, pushing pushing motion. Um, and, and it just it didn't make any sense. And we even went back and looked at, at, at the rule, 38-11, and at uh, further down in the rule at II, it says if a player is pushed into a goaltender, then there sh- shall not be an overturning of the goal. The goal shall stand. And I said, well, what in the world is that? Jared Bednar said this morning, he said that um, the referees thought that Logan O'Connor was just bumped and it wasn't, I don't know, it was a ridiculous explanation. So I, it, it's one of those things where you can look at a play and you can talk yourself out of it. And I feel like we've done that way too much in the last couple of years in the National Hockey League. Um, initial reaction is, hey, no, we got pushed in there, and so the goal should stand. The reason that video review exists is to correct obvious mistakes, clear and obvious errors. We've been saying that in every sport for, for, for years. The NFL, NHL, you want to get rid of clear and obvious errors. And, and, and that was not this. This, this was just a, a flat-out mistake. The goal should have stood. Um, but on the other side of the coin, Colorado needed to not give up two goals in sequence after that. But, yeah, it, a- absolutely perplexing and, and frankly, um, wrong from the NHL last night. Yeah, replay is supposed to correct things like that to make sure that, okay, yeah, it's obvious that he got shoved, and he, I'm totally with you on that. It's... And, again, the, the call on the ice is a good goal. Yeah. The instinct was that this is a good goal. Yeah. And should have reinforced they them, that. They talked themselves out of it, and frankly, there's no excuse for that. Did Jared Bednar or you guys, media with the pool reporter or whatever, get any sort of clarification why O'Connor's goal was wiped off, but the Devils' goal in the second was allowed to stand? 
I don't know. And again, it was it was a tough night all around uh, last night, but there was no explanation given for that. And uh, you know, and, and the, the the human error piece, I'm okay with. You know, I, I just am. It's 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 part of it. I would rather have that than than eye in the sky, just just refing the game after the fact. Um, but yeah, I just it, mistakes are made and. Again, I would have been okay with the Jersey goal had our goal stood as well. You know what I mean? There was, there's no, and everyone just wants as much consistency as you can get. But you saw the discrepancy between the two plays last night. It was just inconsistent. Habs Radio Voice Connor McGahey with us today on the Team Sports Network. Habs fall at New Jersey five to three last night. We also, Connor sadly saw the end of Nathan McKinnon's 14 game point scoring streak come to an end. 11 shot attempts last night, had some really good chances, but uh, held off the score sheet just, what, the second time in the last 35 games. That shows how red-hot Nathan McKinnon's been. Yeah, and just the third time since the last time the Devils and Avalanche played, which is just unbelievable. He has 76 points in that time, by the way, in 41 games, which I, th- I think is good. Um, not sure about that. I'll have to double-check and make sure that that's good. Um, but, uh, no, for McKinnon, I mean, he's the first player since Joe Sackick back in 99-2000 to have two point streaks uh, of 13 games or more inside of the same season. And it just doesn't happen very often. And we talk about inconsistency with other things earlier. How about consistency with Nathan McKinnon? And um, willing to obviously <laughs> give him a break when he's not on the score sheet. Have tallied three goals, you know, two goals from defensemen. They still have the highest scoring decor in the National Hockey League, and Nico Rantanen uh, gets back in the groove as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's 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 a bummer to see it come to an end. But like the way when the last one ended, he, he started another one, and that's what I anticipate happening coming up next for Nathan McKinnon. It's not if it's just when for for Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I think it's just, that's how this season has gone in particular. Uh, Zach Parise, now a couple games with the Avalanche, said he wanted to come to Colorado for, for a chance to win a Stanley Cup. What's been your uh, your takeaway watching him play through his first couple of games with the Avs? Yeah, I think he's been great, and he's played in the 11-minute range in, in the first two. Um, but I, I think that he's more 200-foot than I remember watching him uh, with either Minnesota or New Jersey. And uh, he's an impact player out there all the time, and you know once he gets his sea legs under him a little bit more, he, he's going to make a big difference. He's not playing like a 39-year-old, um, which is absolutely a good thing. So the body's keeping up with the brain when it comes to Zach Parise, and I think he's been very impressive. And and the the combination between him and, and Johansson and Arturi Lekkinen and, and Jonathan Drouin in the second half of of that game. Um, last night and really the night before has has freed up Ryan Johansson as well. So I, I think that you know sometimes you need uh, a buddy to play with, and I feel like Zach Parise and Ryan Johansson could be uh, a good pair to to be together going down the stretch here. And then one final thing with the the backup goaltender situation still being kind of unsettled. Used to Sanon and got the start last night. Twenty six saves, thirty shots last night. Your takeaway from what you saw from him last night is the Avalanche still kind of evaluating what that looks like behind uh, Georgie. 
Yeah, I mean, goals above expected is, you know, where you, you're looking at for goaltenders. And I think there's only been one start of Onanen's in the NHL where he um, has had under three. That was a 4-1 win versus the Blues last year, if I'm not mistaken. So um, it's like Bednar always talks about his three keys to victory. The first is uh, a quality start from your goaltender. And that means making the saves that you're supposed to make and then a couple big ones along the way. Um, probably would have liked to have had one of the two uh, that went in for Jersey. Um, the John Marino one, I know that um, some people are on Nathan McKinnon for not lifting the stick of Marino, but still um, maybe that's a save that you need your goaltender to make. But um, it's a fluid situation for the Avalanche. And... Um, you don't want to absolutely hammer your starter, even though he likes to play in the net. But, I mean, they're cognizant of, of personal preference and, <clears throat> and you know, the the health aspects and uh, of a goaltender and monitoring what they, what they can and can't handle. Um, the good news is the second half of the schedule, the 31 games remaining for the Avalanche, um, you only have three back-to-backs left. And you have a lot of sequences where you have game two days off, uh, you know, game day off, game day off, and then two days off after that. So the rest schedule is lining up for a lot of Georgiev starts. You don't want him to be fried once the playoffs begin. Um, but uh, it, it's in a place right now, <clears throat> excuse me, for the Avalanche where they, they can have Georgiev play, but um, they'll keep all options open internally, probably, and, and externally here for the Avs. Hey, Connor, always appreciate it. Enjoy a little uh, day off today, Avs of Carolina tomorrow. Always appreciate the time, my friend. You bet, boys. See you later. Take care. All right, uh, Connor McKay. He... The devil, buddy. We're number one. We beat anybody. We're the devil. Maybe a little tell them or do today for Connor, perhaps. We'll see. All right, uh, 